We'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. We'll continue, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man. He is the Savior. He is the King. He has left the northern part of Israel. He's on his way to Jerusalem. Why? It is to fulfill the plan. He's going to die. He's going to the cross. He will die on the cross and rise again, paying for sin and conquering death. As we continue this morning, Jesus gives us insight into life after death. People often ask, they say, where do we go when we die? What happens? Well, as we study this morning, we're going to see some different aspects of these truths. And what you're going to find, there's actually a difference in life after death before and after Jesus died and rose again. There is so much in this short passage. Jesus tells about a rich man and a beggar and what happens to them after they die. May we get an understanding of what happens to someone after death. We know as a pastor, I get to do a lot of different things. And I get to be a part of some special times in people's lives. I get to teach the Bible. I help people grow. I get to be a part of weddings. I'm there at the birth of children. But there's one that's really hard. And that's funerals. I'm usually, a lot of times I'm asked to be there when someone dies. In fact, earlier this week, I, I was asked to, to, to do a funeral. To come together to remember a person. What happens when a person dies? Where do they go? We know the body goes in the ground, but what about the soul and the spirit? Does it go to heaven? This morning, Jesus teaches about life after death. Where do people go and what happens? He gives a story of a rich man and a beggar whose name was Lazarus. And we find, basically, as we look at the story, that the beggar is a believer and the rich man is not. Well, what happens? Do they know what's going on after they die? May we gain insight into life after death as we see the teaching that Jesus taught in Luke chapter 16. Well, as we start this morning, we're going to look at four questions. Four questions as we go through our passage. First of all, where do people go when they die? I mean, what, what, what place? Do they go to different places? What about a believer? Does they go one place and unbelievers and others? Do they know other people? What happens? Second question is this. Do miracles cause people to believe? You hear people say this. You know, we want people to trust Christ. Somebody say, well, you know, if Jesus would appear here or if there would be some miracle, then I would believe in Jesus. And so do miracles cause people to believe? The third question is this. Where did Jesus go after he died on the cross? Now, he was on the cross, and uh, where did he go? We know his body was in the tomb. Where did he go? Uh, there's a creed. Now, let me, let me say it this way. There's a creed from the church that has been written hundreds of years ago, and they'll say something about Jesus who suffered under Pontius Pilate, and then it says, and he descended into hell. That's what the creed says. Did Jesus go to hell? Where did he go? That's a big question. And then the fourth question is, what is the result of Jesus' death and resurrection concerning life after death? We're going to find there's been some changes since Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again. This passage sometimes has people confused. Some people say, well, it's a story. Is it a parable? Is it truth? What is it? Well, we'll look at it. Let's begin. Of course, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's going to die on the cross, pay for sin, and rise again. He's doing that for us. He is the substitute and sacrifice for the sins of the world. And as he's going, he's been teaching. In fact, we've seen these last few weeks, he's just about to Jerusalem. He's been all kind of teaching. In fact, he's taught about a number of things. He's taught about salvation and discipleship. He taught the prodigal son. He talked about stewardship. He talked about being faithful. And this morning, he's going to talk about life after death. Why does he do this? 
Well, you remember in the flow of the passage that he's been talking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees thought that they would go to heaven by keeping the law. He showed last week that if you're going to try to keep the law, you have to keep the law perfectly. And nobody can keep the law perfectly. He wanted these religious leaders to realize that their works and their goodness could not get them to heaven. He also wanted them to understand the consequences. He wanted to see the consequences of what happens when a person dies and they have not trusted in the Messiah and the Savior. He's going to show what happens to a believer and what happens to an unbeliever at death. Now, before we get into the story, let me give you a little background before we get into the passage. And we raise the first question. Where do people go when they die? We want to see what Jesus teaches in this passage. We're going to expand on it a little bit later as we get into the passage. You could look at Luke 16. You could also go to Revelation chapter 20. There's some things there as well. But here's what I want you to understand. There is a place that people go when they die. Now, we're talking about... This morning, at this particular time, before Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin. I'll explain to it all, all to you later. But there's a place in the heart of the earth, which in the Old Testament was called Sheol. It's a Hebrew word that means the grave. In the New Testament, it's called Hades, which literally means the unseen. So I want you to understand, there is a place in the heart of the earth. Now, this is what Jesus taught. Jesus said there's a place in the heart of the earth. In the Old Testament, they called it Sheol, the grave. In the New Testament, they used, called, used the word Hades, place of the dead or the unseen. Jesus teaches that. And here's what he finds. On, on, uh, let's see. Yeah, here we got it. The heart of the earth, the place is called Sheol in the Old Testament, called Hades in the New Testament. Next slide shows this. There, there are two parts to it. There are two parts in this place in the heart of the earth. One side is called Abraham's bosom or paradise. The other side is called the place of torments. And if you look at that, you realize there's a place in the heart of the earth. On one side, in a sense, you'd say, must be where believers go, Abraham's bosom, paradise. On the other side is a place of torments. Let me show you a chart just to kind of give you that sort of a visual of what this might be. The best we can tell, there's a place, Hades or Sheol, in the, in the Old Testament, Sheol, New Testament, Hades. On one side of this, or one section of this place, was called Abraham's bosom or paradise. Most of the time, it's called paradise. On the other side was a place of torments. We just put the word torments there because people are in torment there. There is a gulf that separates the two. You cannot go from one to the other. Now, I want you to look at this, and we'll see what Jesus teaches, but that's what it is. Now, as we look at it, we find this. Go ahead to the, to the slide. When a believer died, they would go to the paradise place in Hades. When an unbeliever died, they would go to the other side of Hades, to the place of torments. So you understand this. When a believer died, they would go into the heart of the, their body would go in the ground, their soul and spirit would go to the heart of the earth, Hades or Sheol, to the Abraham's bosom or paradise side. When an unbeliever died, their body would go in the grave, their soul would go into the heart of the earth, Hades or Sheol, to the torments side. That's very powerful truth. Now, by the way, the place that when you hear the word Hades or you hear the place of torments, I want you to understand, this is not the same as the lake of fire. Some of your Bibles, in fact, NIV in this passage says, and he was in hell and he looked up. The word is not hell. There's the Greek word Hades. The word Hades does not mean the lake of fire. There is a place that, that from Hades people will be raised and they will be cast into the lake of fire. That's what we call hell. So I want you to understand, this place called Hades in the heart of the earth and the place of torments is not the everlasting place of torment which we call hell. It is not. It's a different place. And I'll show you as we go through the passage. Now, let's look at this story. We, I sometimes call this 
a story of the lifestyles of the rich and poor. Because we see this story. Now, some people want to say it's a parable. And if it's a parable, they say it's just a made-up story. It's not true. It's just to teach the truth. But this is not a parable for two reasons. Number one, it's not called a parable. That almost all of the parables start off by saying, and Jesus taught a parable saying. It's not called a parable. And number two, it uses a person's name in this story. No parable. Just go look. All of the parables, they do not use people's names. This is a real person. There was this rich man. There was this beggar named Lazarus. So this is a true story. Let's see what happened. Look at verse 19. Now, there was a rich man. And he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. Now we find this man is very rich. Notice how he's described. He's dressed in purple and fine linen. And that day and time, the most expensive everything was purple because it was hard to get it. And, and if you had this purple dye, you could do it. And so if you had purple clothes, I mean, the kings wore purple clothes. Rich people wore purple clothes. Said that he had fine linen, which meant very soft clothing. It goes on to say that, uh, that he lived joyously living in splendor. Every day. And the word splendor means to the extreme. He had this lifestyle of luxury. Now, this was not a guy that just every now and then put on some pretty fancy clothes. This is every day. He was a very wealthy man. And, and he had all of this. Now, I want you to know that the Pharisees are listening to this story because Jesus is teaching this to the Pharisees. And immediately when he talked about a rich man, they would say, that must be a man blessed by God. Because they assumed that if a person had riches, they were blessed by God. Back in verse 14, it says, now the Pharisees who were lovers of money, they wanted money. They thought that if more money you had, the more blessed you were by God. And so when Jesus starts this story and says about this rich man who had purple clothes, fine linen, lived in luxury all the time, they were saying, this man must be blessed by God. Okay? But now we're going to see the contrast. Notice verse 20. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now you meet somebody else. you got the rich man living in this big place, and now you have a poor man. His name is Lazarus. And he was laid at the gate. Now, obviously, he's crippled. Something's wrong with him. And the way this is written in the Greek is that people brought him up there and they said, here, we're just going to put you down here. Sorry, but there's a rich man living in that house. Maybe he'll help you. And they just left him there. To be laid at the gate is implying he can't walk. He's like a beggar just laying there. Now, notice it says not only was he laid at the gate, he was covered with Sores. He's got sores all over his body. The average person coming by would go, oh my gracious, alive. They don't want to touch him because, see, if you touched him, you were unclean. And so people would just say, oh, look over there. And they would just walk by. Now, here's this man in this rich house, very rich man, and out in front of his house is a beggar covered with sores just laying there. I want you to think about some things. Do you think the rich man knew the guy was out there? What do you think? Of course he knew he was out there. Do you think he knew his name? Do you think he helped him? Do you think he said, look, I understand somebody's really hurting out there. Get some of the, go out there and give that guy some food. Go take care of that guy. Uh, it may be we can help him somehow. Maybe we can fix a little place for him to stay. Do you think that ever happened? We don't know. Look what it says. He was longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. You know what he's saying? It doesn't mean he wanted to be up under the table and catch the crumbs. He's saying, I want the man's garbage. If when they get through eating, if they would just give me what they're throwing away, I would just eat that. I don't have any food. I don't have anything. I'll take the garbage. 
And so what a contrast. you got a rich man in splendor, purple clothes, everything, food, luxury, anything he wants living in this place. And right out in front is a beggar who most likely can't walk, covered with sores, and would just dream to have the guy's garbage to eat. And notice what it goes on to say at the end of the verse. Even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. That sounds great, doesn't it? So, isn't that a good story? Isn't this interesting? Some have said that the dogs were trying to show compassion on him. While this rich man, who, who lived with everything and had more than enough, shows no interest at all in Lazarus. What a contrast. As I said a while ago, do you think that the rich man knew the man was there? Do you think he knew his name? Do you think that the rich man would say, yeah, there's a beggar out there, his name's Lazarus. You think? There's a great contrast between the rich and poor. The one who lavished his riches on himself, best we can tell, never once helped the beggar. As the Pharisees heard this story, they assumed, well, the rich man, he's the one blessed by God. Poor man, no telling, no telling what he did to get what he got. That's what they would think. Look what happens. Verse 22. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. Now we're going to see a great contrast here. Sometimes we read things so fast we don't see it. I want you to understand. It said the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. You notice it doesn't say he was buried. It doesn't say that. Most likely when he died, people came up and said, Oh my gosh. Probably the rich man came out and said... He's dead. Could somebody get him out of the, a dead man off the front of my place? And they probably didn't bury him, and they just probably went and threw him somewhere. But notice what it says. When he died, he was carried away by the angels. See, this is kind of giving us a picture that this man's a believer. This man believed in the Messiah. And so at his death, the angels come and get him, and they take him to Abraham's bosom. Remember Abraham's bosom? Remember the place in the heart of the earth? One side's Abraham's bosom or paradise. The other side's got, he's got a big gulf, and the other side's torments. He's taken to the good side. He's taken to Abraham's bosom. He's taken to paradise. He's a believer. Notice the rest of the verse. And the rich man also died... And was buried. Naturally, they're going to bury him. He's rich. He's got his family, his friends, his brothers. Everybody's going to come and they're going to bury him with great sadness and everything because he was such a great man. Where was he taken? It doesn't say anything about angels getting him, does it? In fact, some people even say that when a believer dies, that their body may go in the ground, but the angels come to get him. That's what some people say because of this passage doesn't say anything about angels. This man, it just says a rich man died and was buried. Where do you think he is? Because the best we can tell, he was never a believer. And look what it says. Verse 23. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. The torment section. The torments. And he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. So it says that he was in torments. Now, here's what you got. You got the poor man who was taken to Abraham's bosom to paradise. He's over on that side. There's the big gulf. And now we find that this rich man is in Hades. He's in torments, lifting up his eyes. He saw across the gulf, he saw Abraham and Lazarus over there. He saw them. Wow. Do you think you'll know things after you die? Of course you will. You think you will feel things after you die. Yes, you will. 
Look what he says, verse 24. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. Now, he's in flame. He's in, he's in torments. This is not the lake of fire. This is Hades. This is Sheol. This is the heart of the earth. Lake of fire is another place and another time. I'll explain it in a minute. He's in there. He looks across the gulf. He sees Abraham. He even sees Lazarus. And he says, Abraham, Father Abraham, because he's Jewish. Father Abraham, send Lazarus over so that he can just, just touch his finger in the water. And he can touch my tongue because I'm, I'm in agony over here. Let me tell you a couple of things. The rich man knew Lazarus' name. He knew who he was. That's the guy laid out in front of his house all that time. The rich man knew that. knew his name. Never helped him. What does he say right now? Father Abraham, have Lazarus help me. Now, he never once helped Lazarus while Lazarus was alive. But he's wanting some help. Have Lazarus come across. Touch the tip of his finger in the water and then cool off my tongue. For I am in flames. I'm in torment and anguish in these flames. What's Abraham going to say? Just a minute, I'll get him over there. Is that what he's going to say? No. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things, but now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony? Now that just shows right there that, it, that how wealthy you are, what the Pharisees thought was blessing from God, has nothing to do with it. You may be very wealthy and be blessed by God. You may be very wealthy and not blessed by God. You may be very poor and blessed by God. And you may be very poor and not blessed by God. The Pharisees are going, what, what, what are you... T-? They're listening to the story and they're going, wait a minute. You're telling me the rich guy's in the bad place? And the beggar's in the good place? Abraham said, child, during your life you received good things. You're good things. And... Likewise, letters is bad things. But now he's being comforted here, and you're in agony. See, what we believe in this life will determine where we will be when we die. You understand that? If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you trust in Him, you'll have eternal life, and you'll be with Jesus. You'll be in paradise. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, You'll be separated from the Father. You'll be separated from the Son, Jesus Christ. And you'll be in torments. It's true. This is not a story Jesus made up. This is not a parable. This is a truth. So Abraham said, Child, remember during your life you received good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things, and now he's being comforted, and you're in agony. But notice what he says. And besides all this, verse 26, and besides all this, between us... And you, there is a great chasm fixed. There's a big gulf. So that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able. And that none may cross over from there to us. He's saying, we can't come over. There's this big gulf in between. There's a big chasm in between. It's fixed there. And even though we're over here and you can see us and we can see you, we can't come over there. He said, so that nobody over here can come over there. You'd say, who in the world would want to go from paradise to torments? Well, if they were going to go help somebody, maybe that's what they're thinking. He says, we can't come over there, and guess what? You can't come over here. You know what he's saying? This thing is fixed, and there's a truth. Hebrews 9, it is appointed for man to die once, and after that, the judgment. When you die, that's it. It is too late after you die to determine where your destiny is going to be. 
You must trust in Jesus Christ before you die. It's that simple. It is appointed for man to die once in the judgment. There are people who say things like, well, i got plenty of time, or I, you know, I'm not going to worry about God or the Bible or salvation. You, know, you never know when you're going to die. And it's appointed for man to die once, and then it's too late. If you die and you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you have salvation. You have eternal life with Him, paradise. If you die and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, you're separated forever. Now look what he says. He says, nobody can come that way. We can't, we can't come over there to you and that none may cross over from there to us. You know what he realizes? It's too late for him. But he's got family. So what does he say? And he said, verse 27, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him, that's Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. He says, here's what I want you to do. Okay, I understand, but I have five brothers and I love them, and so why don't you send Lazarus back so that they could see him. See, if Lazarus comes back from the dead and he goes to my brothers, they will see him and they'll go, well, I thought you were dead. And he said, I was, but I'm, down there. I'm coming back to tell you a message from your brother. What is it? Believe in Jesus. Believe in the Messiah. Because you're going to, if you die, you'll be in torments. That's what he wants him to do. Send Lazarus back and tell it. It'll be something great. My brothers will believe that. That's the plan. So here's the question. Do miracles make people believe? People say, well, I tell you, if Jesus, do, if Jesus appeared right here, right now, I'd believe I'd believe. Or if somebody did a miracle, I think I would believe. Do miracles make people believe? Look what he says. Verse 29. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. See, they have Moses, they have the Word of God. In fact, see, that's what he's saying. They have the Word of God. And when he says Moses and the prophets, you know, the Old Testament was divided sometimes into two parts, sometimes into three. When it was divided into three parts, called the Tanakh, the, Nor- the, the Torah, the Nebuim, and the Ketubim, which is the Law, the Writings, and the Prophets. So sometimes they would say Law, Writings, and Prophets. Sometimes they would just say Law and the Prophets. Another name for the Law was the Book of Moses. Moses wrote the first five books, which is the Law. He says they have Moses and the Prophets. He said they got the Bible. They don't need somebody to come back from the dead. They have the Word of God. Notice what he says. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, let them listen to the Scripture. Because the Scripture says you're saved by faith. From Adam and Eve to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to Judah to David to Daniel. All the way through the Old Testament, a person is saved by faith. Genesis 15:6. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. David believed. You know, all the way through the messages, believing gives you life. Believing gives you paradise. That idea. He says they have the Bible. They can read the Bible. They can see the truth. You don't have to send somebody back to warn them. They have the Scripture. That's why every one of us in this room. You have, if you had nothing else, you have John 3.16. God loved you that He gave His Son to die on the cross and pay for sin, that whoever, anyone who would believe, you would not perish, be separated forever, but have eternal life. You got that verse. You don't need a miracle to make you believe. In fact, we find that miracles don't make people believe. Watch what he says. He said, Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But notice what he says. But, but, but he said, No, Father Abraham. But if 
someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He says if some miraculous things happen, that if Lazarus would come back from the dead and they see him, they will repent. Now, the word repent means change their mind. They're most likely like him. They were probably trusted, trusted in their riches, trusted in their works. He's saying if, 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 if Lazarus, somebody would come back from the dead, they would look at this miracle and go, whoa, and then they would change their mind and they would believe in the Messiah. They would believe because salvation is always by faith. What did we see here? Did a miracle, would a miracle make them believe? Notice what he says. But he said to him, verse 31, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, if they do not believe the word of God, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. If people don't believe the Bible, they're not going to believe a miracle. Miracles don't make people believe. And so there may be somebody sitting out here saying, if I had a miracle, I might believe. Let me tell you, go to the word of God, believe the word of God. You don't believe the word of God, you don't believe a miracle. Did Jesus do miracles? He did. In fact, he did miracles to fulfill in Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61. They were all to fulfill to show that he was the Messiah. Did they make people believe in him? They did not. In fact, some people did his miracles and he said, You see my miracles and you just want to be fed. You remember he went around doing the miracles and he asked the guys. He said, Who do do the people say that I am? And you know what they said? Some think you're Elijah. Some think you're John the Baptist. Some think you're a prophet. He didn't say they think you're the Messiah. And he was doing miracles. He raised Lazarus. Not this Lazarus. Remember, there was Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Later on, he raises Lazarus from the dead. Did that cause people to believe? No. In fact, they said, we need to kill that guy named Lazarus. And when Jesus rose from the dead, did that make them all believe? They went out to the tomb. There's nothing there. What did they try to do? They hid the story. They, they made up lies. Even if someone raises from the dead, that's not going to cause people to believe. He said, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, if they don't listen to the Bible, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. His point to the Pharisees, if you believe and you die, you'll go to Hades, paradise side. If you're not a believer and you die, you'll go to Hades, to the torment side, and there's separation. Jesus teaches what happens when we die. Now, I've got a couple other questions I want you to see. We'll go through them quickly. Here's this one. Where did Jesus go when he died on the cross? We know his body was put in that tomb, and he was gone three days, three nights, and he rose again. Where where did he go? Matthew 12, 38 through 40. He said, As Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be where? In the heart of the earth Three days and three nights. What's in the heart of the earth? Sheol, Hades. Now, where did Jesus go? Which side did he go to? Well, you know this in First and Second Peter. It actually says he went to the torment side and proclaimed a message to some demons. It says that, but don't worry about that right now. Okay. He went to the other side. He went to paradise. You remember he was on the cross, and there was the thief on the cross with him, and the thief on the cross said... Jesus, don't forget me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me. Where? In paradise. Jesus took this man to paradise. So where did Jesus go when he died? He went to the heart of the earth. Best we can understand. One place he went over to the torment side to deliver a message. But he went to the paradise side. Three days later rose again. Now this takes us to the final question. 
What is the result of the death and resurrection of Christ? What changed? Well, some things changed. Now, let me give this to you. Don't have time to go all the verses. Listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Jesus Christ descended and then led captivity captive as he ascended. That's Ephesians 4. Here's what we find out. That sometime, we don't know exactly when, sometime either right during his death and resurrection or right after his death and resurrection, it doesn't tell us when, Jesus went to the heart of the earth, went to the paradise side, and took all of those people who had ever believed and were in paradise and took them to be with him in heaven. How do we know this? Ephesians said he led the captives captive. It also tells us, that Jesus is seated where? Now, at the right hand of the Father. The Bible tells us to be absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. Where is the Lord? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Paul also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says this, I knew a man who was caught up into the third heavens. I knew a man who went to paradise. So the best we can understand is after the death and resurrection of Christ, he took the old, we'd just say it this way, the Old Testament believers and took them with him to heaven. And he changed paradise from being the heart of the earth to being with him in heaven. That's why when you die, if you were to die before Jesus comes back, if you were to die, you would be absent from the body, you would be present with the Lord, you would be in the heaven. So when people say, are you going to go to heaven? They're right. You're going to go to heaven for a while before you come back to this earth. So the best that we can understand, there's been a change. Jesus has taken the believers from the heart of the earth of the paradise and made it in heaven. So when a believer dies today, they go, their body in the ground, and their soul and spirit goes to be with Jesus. When an unbeliever dies today, body goes in the ground, and their soul still goes into the heart of the earth to the place called Hades. Why the change? The best we can understand is up until the time that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for sin, there since was a barrier of sin, a barrier separating man from God. When Jesus removed the barrier by paying the final sacrifice for sin forever, he has opened the way that believers can now be in the presence of God. That's the best we can understand. Now, uh, did I put any of those up there? Is there any... Yeah, when a believer died, they went to Hades' paradise. Unbeliever died, went to Hades' torments. That's before. Then after, believer dies, body goes in the ground, soul and spirit for Christ in the heavens. And for the unbeliever, to still goes to Hades' torment side until the great white throne judgment. At the great white throne judgment, that's when unbelievers are cast into the lake of fire. That's different than Hades. So all who believe have eternal life. Believers... Used to go into the heart of the earth, now we go into the heavens to be with Jesus. Unbelievers still go to the heart of the earth to torments until resurrection. What have we seen? Jesus teaches concerning life after death. He wanted the Pharisees to understand what happens to those who do not believe. All believers go to Hades or paradise. Back then, Hades now paradise all for all. All who did not believe go to Hades and torments. And after the death and resurrection of Christ, paradise is in heavens with him. So let me give you some applications very quickly. And here's the first one. Let's have an understanding of what happens to a person when they die. Realize there is a division and a separation from believers and unbelievers. A, believers at death will always be with Christ. Always be with Christ. He is the Savior. He's given us eternal life. And when we believe in Him, we'll be with Him. When we die, we'll be with Him right then. Unbelievers at death are in torments awaiting the final separation. At death, they go to the heart of the earth until the great white throne judgment. The key to this whole thing is faith. Whoever believes has eternal life. Whoever does not believe does not have life. So number two, trust 
Christ as Savior. That is the key. Whoever believes in Him will never be separated. If you believe in Christ and you die, you're going to be with Him. If you do not believe in Christ and you die, you will be separated. John 14, 6, He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. Acts 4, 12, There's no name given under heaven among men whereby we might be saved except His name. Acts 16, 31, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. That's the key. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room has trusted in Christ as your Savior. If you have trusted in Jesus, no matter what happens, wherever you die, you're going to be with Him, to be absent from the bodies, to be with the Lord. If you have not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you were to die, you'll go into the heart of the earth, you'll go into the torment side, one day you'll be raised up at the great white throne judgment, and you'll be cast into the lake of fire. That's what it says. So my hope and prayer and dream for all of you is that everyone in this room has trusted Christ and you can trust Him right where you're sitting. You can believe that He died for you and paid for sin. You can trust in Him and Him alone to get you to heaven. It takes us to number three. Have an understanding of the biblical teaching of Hades and paradise and death. So just remember this. A, before the death and resurrection of Christ, believers went to Hades to the paradise side. Number two, unbelievers went to Hades to the torment side. B, after the death and resurrection of Christ, believers go to the heavens to be with Christ. And number two, unbelievers still go to Hades on the torment side. And in C, after Jesus paid for sin, he takes all believers to be with him in the heavens. It's very powerful. He removed the barrier. May we trust Jesus Christ as Savior so that when we die, we'll be with him in the heavens, and we can proclaim clearly, let's proclaim clearly the good news message of salvation so that all may know the truth of eternal life and not be separated from God forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Help us to put together and understand it. Lord, may we have an understanding that when a person dies, there's certain places they go. For a believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Thank you, Lord. For the unbeliever, they go into the heart of the earth awaiting the final separation. Thank you, Lord, that it's simply by faith. And whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. Lord, may we have an understanding of these things about Hades and paradise and death and all of that and understand the difference before and after and know what happens now. Thank you, Lord, that whoever believes in Jesus, when they die physically, they're absent from the body and they're present with you in the heavenly places. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.